The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to, to you, o Lord. Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, to you Christ. Christ. <clears throat> I never liked house pets until I met a dog named Kopek. Kopek was my dad's dog, a cross between a black lab and a blue healer. Kopek loved everything and everyone except for the UPS truck and was simply unable to go for a walk without choking himself on his own leash. He had this ridiculous habit of cocking his head sideways and dangling his tongue way out, making him look permanently confused. After returning home from living in Hungary in 1996, I had spinal surgery. When I came home from the hospital, even though my wounds were hidden beneath my clothing, Kopec refused to leave my feet as I rested in my father's recliner. Even when I tried to shove and kick him away, he returned, licking my ankles and softly whimpering. He did this for all of the weeks of my recovery. As I cried in pain, that dog faithfully sat on my feet, even though I never wanted him there in the first place. Kopec was loyal in a way that only pets can be, and won over my heart and made me fall in love with dogs. Cats are a very different story, I'm afraid, as no interaction with any cats will ever change my opinion of them. For that, I'm sorry, but because of that one dog, I look at dogs differently now. I never wanted children until I met my niece, Maggie. I had done my share of raising my brothers and as an adult felt no instinct to mother a child of my own. Maggie was born when I was a student in Germany and was well over a year old when I first met her. She was sweet and funny and gentle with a mild disposition. She captivated me and I found myself wondering if I could be capable of one day bringing such a life into the world. 
I ended up conceiving four and birthing three children, although none of them were ever described as having a mild disposition. Because of that one child, I look at all children differently. I never really loved opera until I sat next to my dear friend Paige in the Bartlett Performing Arts Center in Moline, Illinois, one bitterly cold night in January of 2005, and watched him weep during a performance of Puccini's Tosca. Paige had just been diagnosed with stage four bone cancer. I glanced over at him from time to time fascinated by the tears he wept through closed eyes. As a former student and instructor at Juilliard, I could almost see the music course through his body. Through him, I fell in love with opera. When he died, the president of Juilliard showed up unannounced to his funeral in our tiny open country church in rural Calamus and played Iluchivan Listella on the piano, which was Paige's favorite aria from the opera Tosca. I closed my eyes and listened and finally understood. Because of Paige and his beloved opera, I have forever experienced opera differently. It is possible for a love for one thing to open the door to loving all the things. When you see a dog as a particular animal with quirks and habits and personality, a dog ceases being any abstract dog and begins being that dog. When a child is no longer any child but that particular child with an addictive laugh and wondering eyes, the heart opens itself to the possibility of becoming a mother. When a dabbler in opera watches a weeping friend during a performance, one opens oneself to the possibility of sacred revelation in crescendo and aria even in languages one might not neither speak nor understand. A love for one specific thing opens the possibility for loving universal things. Loving one person can open the possibility of having compassion for, if not love for, all people. Many folks don't appreciate extreme right or left-wing adherence, but still somehow manage to share a Thanksgiving table with them in non-pandemic times because it's not just any person. It's Uncle Bob or Aunt Sally. Beyond politics, this also extends into other realms of human existence. Loving one person of color opens up possibilities of loving other persons of color. Loving one gay person opens up the possibility of loving others in the LGBTQIA community. Loving one person of a different faith opens the eyes and ears and heart to loving people of all faiths. My son Christian met my friend Aina during a FaceTime call we were having recently. He introduced himself, hi, I'm Christian, to which she replied, hi, I'm Jewish. And this is how prejudices fade and how walls crumble between people. Life is transformed one life at a time, sometimes awkwardly, sometimes humorously, 
But thankfully, God works in and through awkwardness and humor. Today is known in the church as Transfiguration Sunday, when Jesus transfigures or changes right in front of his disciples' eyes. His robes become dazzling white, and the disciples want to stay up on the mountaintop. It's beautiful up here, they say. The ghosts of the prophets are up here, they say. Look, it's Moses, it's Elijah. No need to go down into those valleys where there is disease and depression and sex and sweat and blood. Let's stay here where it is safe and far away from complicated, difficult, and messy things. But Jesus says no and leads them down the mountain away from where it is safe down into the valleys of where real life is lived. Jesus tells them they must descend into the valleys because that is where the people are. He does this because his love for one has led to his love for all, and those all are down in the valley. Jesus shows us that a love for one person can make you love people you do not expect to love. He first loves a tax collector named Matthew, and then shows the world that all tax collectors are worthy of love. He loves a traitor named Judas, and shows the world that all traitors are worthy of love. He forgives an adulteress, and shows all sinners are worthy of forgiveness. He loves a criminal and shows all criminals are also children of God. He raises a dead man named Lazarus back to life as a preview of cosmic salvation. He loves our world and hints at other worlds within his grace, which we can neither imagine nor comprehend. Loving one unlocks the door to loving all. In this way, Jesus shows us that love changes everything. For Jesus, love changes him from Lord of the mountaintops to Lord of the valleys. Love drives you into valleys where your people are instead of simply commanding them from the distant mountaintops. Love, then, is always incarnate embodied. This is why Jesus was born in the first place, so that God can walk with us wrapped in human flesh in our darkest valleys. About two weeks ago, after the January 27th resolution that passed in the Iowa House stating that women have no constitutional right to abortion, LCM students organized a rally in support of the Emma Goldman Clinic. Many of you saw that in the news. Not because LCM somehow celebrates abortion, but because these students believe that this right must safely exist for those who need it for those who feel like they have no choice, those with no partner or means or support. The issue becomes human. The general becomes specific. When you become unexpectedly pregnant or have a friend or a relative or a partner who is and are confronted with a torturous decision between ending a life and bringing an unwanted life into the world, 
The students of LCM understand that women who enter the doors of the Emma Goldman Clinic are human beings, not issues. And they believe that where life and death decisions are made, the church is called to be there in flesh and blood, embodied grace in one of the darkest human valleys. The alternative is to turn a blind eye on vulnerable ones facing agonizing decisions, and Jesus did not turn a blind eye on those in such valleys. Decisions of life and death, diagnosis of disease, struggles with relationships, self-worth, sexuality, social justice, and so on, none of this is easy work, but it is the work that fills the valleys of humanity. There are two choices then, really. You can remain on the mountaintop and pretend that the valleys either do not exist or can be easily resolved with the bang of a gavel. One can pretend that humans are not trafficked, that migrants don't struggle for breath in the back of tanker trucks, that lifting a mask mandate makes a virus magically go away. Or you can descend into the valley of reality, which is where Jesus always goes. I think the ELCA does this excellently, in that our denomination exists in the messiness of human valleys and ministers in those places of tension where there is no simple verdict of, this is always wrong and this is always right. Today is Valentine's Day, traditionally named after the third century Saint Valentine of Rome, who, according to legend, was beheaded for secretly and illegally marrying Christian couples. Chocolate hearts and bottles of champagne aside, Valentine saw these couples as people, not issues. They weren't heretics or monsters. They were lovers wanting to be wed. Valentine fully realized the risk he took in marrying them and as a result descended into the Valley of Martyrdom. Joining humanity in the valleys is always a risk. One's name, one's reputation, one's status are always at stake. Jesus pays no heed to these things, though, and welcomes sinners and eats with them and touches the bleeding and the diseased and befriends the outcast and invites the church into the risky business of joining him in the valleys where things are always more gray than black and white. These days, February 2021, we certainly need no reminders that life is lived in the valleys. For a solid year, we have walked this valley of COVID disease and death and have seen the human ashes of the world pile high but we have also been made acutely aware that only love changes everything because love changes people first before policy or protocol. That we lovingly wait our turn to be vaccinated while the elderly and vulnerable go first. That I will continue to wear a mask until Fauci tells me otherwise because I love you. That our country, again, begins welcoming the immigrant and the refugee in love and mercy. That we love this earth so much that we rejoin treaties and agreements to try to save it. 
As we have journeyed through this valley this past year, we have realized that only love can bring life from death. Only love can coax hope from hopelessness. Only love can sustain strength and spirits when shadows oppress. That's the Easter faith to which we cling as we descend into the Lenten Valley of mortality these next six weeks. Love has changed me since meeting my husband. He has shown me a different way of loving, a love not earned through perfection or won through manipulation, but rather a way of trust and kindness and honesty and peace. A love that sometimes seems deceptively simple only because it is true. It is difficult for us to believe that Jesus is so completely changed by his love for us that he would willingly leave that which is safe and secure and descend into the madness where we dwell. This is difficult for us to accept because deep down we do not believe we are worth it. But Jesus thinks we're worth it and leads the charge down the mountain into the valleys looking for you and looking for me. This is only a love that can be described as insane, preposterous, foolish, or maybe recalling the pure face of a child, the unwavering loyalty of a pet, and the soaring transcendence of an operatic aria we can simply call this love wondrous. Amen.